listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey. Hey, everybody. I hope you're having an amazing week. Um, I really, really have been having, gosh, the most introspective week or weeks the past few weeks because of Listen, Honey. Thanks to my podcast, I've been able to reach out and have the most amazing, exciting, interesting intellectual conversations because I've just honestly been taking the time on quarantine to research people on the gram. It's so crazy. I really have just, instead of just liking my friend's pictures, I've actually just gone into the search button of topics and discussions that I enjoy. And that's how I've been stumbling across some of my favorite people. And I think my next favorite person is right here on the line with us, Camille Lewis. So I happen to love talking about sex positivity. I love talking about intimacy, healthy sex, the understanding of sex, and definitely all of the nuances and and scientific studies between that I didn't get when I was in high school. So Camille Lewis is a sex positive sex therapist. And what I love about Camille is that you have a whole philosophy on sex therapy. First off, welcome to Listen Honey, girl. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Camille, why don't you break it down for us first? Because I think many people have heard on and on what therapy is, but what is sex therapy? Yeah. So essentially sex therapy is providing clients the space to talk about sex. I think that sometimes, even though we encourage clients to talk about anything in therapy, sex is something that because there's so much shame around it, we don't get a lot of space for even in such an intimate relationship. So sex therapy allows people to talk about things that are bothering them, things that are concerning them about sexual performance, painful intercourse, fetish and kinks, um, maybe a misalignment with um, relationship sex drive within the relationship. And um, kind of my approach with sex positivity is to be encouraging of sex rather than shaming. So Mm. a lot of sex therapy can be really about sex addiction and changing your behavior yeah. and kind of making you feel more closeted about your experience with sex. And I try to open that up. You are right about that. There's so much shame. It's much more easy to shame sexually than it is to encourage. Like we're not, even if people get caught doing it, it's a shame thing. Oh yeah. It's like, oh my God, how embarrassing you got caught. It's like, no man, I'm getting mine. Like this exactly. is a good thing. <laughs> like we even shame or gross out the fact that we may see our parents doing it when I Mm -hmm. honestly I would have been thrilled because I would have loved to know that my parents were still active even after three kids and you're right even today the get back at the exes is always his dick was so small or she wasn't good in bed anyway you know or I was faking it it's like it is very shaming what do you think that comes from yeah I mean I think that that's just like it's a societal message that we get around sex and pleasure where we kind of have this really like heteronormative way of viewing sex. Um, If we're going back to kind of like what sex was like in for religious purposes and how that really was like constructed of being like just for child creation and not for pleasure. So when you're thinking of sex in only one really narrow way, it's really hard to branch out and to feel safe and comfortable exploring yourself, exploring partners and having a pleasurable experience. Right. And I can only imagine, too, if people already struggle going to seek therapy because, well, usually when, I mean, the norm, the uh, average person thinks that if you're going to a therapist, you're crazy. 
Absolutely. Or you have problems or, or you're depressed or, you know, you're different. But sex therapy, shoot, that means you ain't functioning or you, nah. you, you um, have problems or you can't please your partner, all these other shaming things, which also can be true, but doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It actually is an amazing opportunity to dip into that side of curiosity and figure out what is unique to you, right? Absolutely. I love that word curiosity. It's like one of my favorites because I think that that's how we should be approaching sex and relationships, even in long-term relationships where you maybe have had the same sexual partner or experience for so long. And then you stop having conversations about it. Right. So you're like, I know that she likes this. I know that they like that. And then you stop being curious, stop exploring, you stop trying new things. Things might get stale or stagnant. So big into curiosity for sure. Do you think a couple who ha is having awesome, healthy, regular, consistent sex should also see a sex therapist? I think that sex is only one dimension of um, sex therapy because I think also you could come see a sex therapist to talk about your relationship style. So even if you're having consistent, healthy, regular sex, maybe there's parts of you that you don't feel comfortable bringing in. Maybe there's a fantasy that you didn't really want to share because everything is so amazing. You're like, I don't want to switch this up or hurt their feelings or, you know, add some pressure. So you could totally come in for even if you're having that because there could be other kind of issues with within the couple that you want to talk about or strengthen. Right. You know, therapy doesn't always have to be like we're talking about an issue. We can be talking about what's going super well so that it can be maintained. Right. So break it down for me. How do you see your clients? Like, where do you practice? Yeah. Does one person usually come in? Do you, you like to start off with both? Is mm -hmm. it better in person so you can picture and see, like, the mannerisms of this person so you can kind of picture their personality yeah. and maybe what they're like in bed to kind of help assess the need, your need, your, uh, help assess their needs? Totally. So I practice in Los Angeles. And um, I have an office in Studio City and in West Hollywood. And before the pandemic, I was seeing people in person in both locations. Um, and things definitely have changed virtually, but um, it depends. Some people come in with their partner or partners, which I think is really exciting because you can only get so much from one person's experience. So if you have both or more people there, it's really exciting to watch the, din the dynamic exactly like you said. I think so too, yeah. yeah. I think there's so much in watching the chemistry between two people. Absolutely. communication style, how they act in front of a stranger. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I think it, that's one thing that I definitely miss about practicing in person is watching the dynamic of two people um, or even just one person. Like if somebody's shifting a lot or if there's couples and looking at like they're sitting on opposite sides of the couch or they're not touching or they're, you know, putting their legs on each other, like pointing these things out to be like, hey, there's intimacy here or maybe there isn't. So just like being able to be observant in that way is something that I really love doing. Wait, that's so true because I have a, a love-hate relationship with reading body language. So one part of it I don't like, which is, you know, for me working in entertainment, um, you're constantly um, hearing about the snapshot of TMZ catching a celebrity couple walking out of Trader Joe's or <laughs> sitting at the basketball game or coming out of the airport. It's always the airport shot, man. Yeah, and is. then 
you'd have this body language expert coming in like, well, you can see that she's turned away and she's giving him the cold shoulder. I'm like, bitch, she might be reaching for her bag. She might be, be. she she might not want to face the camera right now because she didn't have her lashes on, you know, but at the same time, you also can read a lot from a couple when you are purposely assessing them. Like when they come to, well, actually if they come or they don't come, like I know for me, when I sit down in front of a couple to have dinner, I can tell a lot already with their body language, if they're tight or, or, or or not, you know, and Mm -hmm. And it is weird because like sometimes newer couples, you know, I always, um, I'll, I'll be more accustomed to seeing them touchy feely or close to each other, but I'll give more credit to the couples 25 years plus married that are still doing that. Right. Absolutely. That says a lot. Yeah. Sounds like you're really intuitive and you Oh, I love it. Doing that. Yeah. Okay, a therapist. So, <laughs> I, I do love this. I'm, I'm so into it. And I like learning from therapists like you too. So now are you seeing your clients on Zoom or what what exactly are you doing in order to get your sessions in? Yeah, so I'm seeing um, clients via Zoom and there's also another platform called Doxy that's like a a little bit more secure. So I do that, phone sessions, um, try to keep it as flexible as possible for people during this time. And what led you into the mental health field, Camille? Yeah, that's a great question, Um, which... When I get asked that question, I'm sometimes like, wait, what did, what was the catalyst for this? Because my mom's actually a psychologist. And so I grew up with somebody in mental health in my home, but never wanted to do that. Like I was like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be an attorney. I worked in, I worked in law for years and every time it got uh, time for me to really commit to that profession, I was like, something just doesn't feel right. So I've always been like fascinated with people and like the human condition and how we treat each other. And I think that um, looking at like human behavior really was inspiring to me and I wanted to learn more. And I really felt like I could be effective, especially for other black people, other people of color to come and talk about the things that ail us and have us struggling. Yeah, I I, I love that you specifically for your culture, stepped into the business of mental health because obviously it's a very taboo subject. And I actually hear a lot of times when I get asked, you know, who are my therapists that I recommend, my black friends specifically ask, are they black? Because they want to know that their therapist is, is aware of the black experience. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that would come across that more and more because like you mentioned earlier, mental health in general can be so taboo that people think that there is an additional barrier if you're talking to somebody that you think will not fundamentally understand who you are and the things that just systemically can be challenging. Oh, right. Just by virtue of of who you are and and how you experience the world. So let's talk about some of the most common situations that you see within couples or within singles when it comes to the sex positivity, what would you say are the three biggest mistakes or situations that can complicate a relationship sexually? Mm, um, Assumption, I think, like assuming that you know what somebody wants without having a conversation about it. 
So I think that that can really be a barrier is like, I just am assuming that this person wants to come every time and it has to look like this. And you might not have talked with your partner in years about it. So I think that that can cause issues, um, a mismatch in kind of like what people are into for like, like fantasy or what stimulates you in terms of what part of your body you like touched. So like the guy assuming, oh my God, she must love it when I... Yeah. Give it to her this hard or like how they do it in porn and women are like, actually, that's the biggest turnoff ever. Yeah, exactly. It's like this really this intense communication breakdown, which leads back to that shame thing. When there's so much shame, it's just like, okay, well, I need to have a big dick. I need to make sure that she comes and I need to do it every time and quickly. Um, and so that she can go brag to her friends or that he can go tell everybody about how good my pussy is or whatever it is. And I think that it just really, it really ranges because you can have sex. I think one of my big takeaways is like, you can have sex without intercourse or penetration. You can have sex without intercourse or penetration. Intimacy. Yeah, absolutely. Intimacy, sexuality, touch, um, flirtation, like all of these things that can really build an intimate connection that doesn't have to mean like penis entering vagina, especially because not everybody is having sex with somebody of the opposite sex. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. Assumptions is number one. What would you say they are the other two? Um, I would say pressure. Um, so a lot of society, like there's so much pressure in achieving orgasm. So we're very goal oriented with sex. So it feels like if I didn't achieve orgasm, if I didn't come all over the place and couldn't walk for three days, then like you didn't do your job. And so when there's that much pressure and expectation, then people are just, you're just so in your head about what you're doing. It's hard to be in the moment. Yeah, no, that's a great one. And again, going back to your first point, beautiful connection and intimacy. Oftentimes, if you've really had a good you actually don't even think about the orgasm. Absolutely. When you've really connected to a place where you guys are breathing together and your touch aligns with one another and you feel like your heart and your soul and your mental is aligned and, yeah. and seeing one another and you guys are feeling one another in the moment, absolute presence, mm. fuck the orgasm at that point. Absolutely. Because we don't even have that anymore. We, we don't even have a conversation where people are away from their phones and literally eye to eye just connecting. So let, so imagine being naked or not naked and having that yeah. amazing tantric experience with somebody without even knowing that you're, you know, getting that intimate. 100%. That's a good 100%. one. What's the third yeah. one? Um, I would say shame. Um, yeah. And I say, I talk about shame a lot, but I think it's because it's so linked with sex and sex positivity or sex negativity, actually. Because if you feel like something that you're into, your partner won't like or won't be into, and you're ashamed to talk about it, you're ashamed about what your sex life has looked like with this particular person. So you you find yourself like going more and more internal. You like are grasping more and more onto those thoughts that are telling you that you're unworthy, that you're not likable, that maybe that person will be, um, interested in dating or seeing somebody else. And so shame just builds and builds and builds. It compounds on itself. And when there's tons of shame and there's not a lot being said about it, that distance can really be intensified. So I think that dismantling some of that shame and like really encouraging 
um, open and equal communication can be a, like an antidote to that. Absolutely. Oh, I love where we're going with this. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Camille, I want to ask for some strong takeaways for people nowadays. I want to talk to my single uh, peeps out there that need to get a grasp on intimacy and connection with themselves so that mm, they can my favorite. activate that great connection with that person who deserves their time. When we come back. I am back with sex positive sex therapist, Camille Lewis. Camille, thank you so much for this time with you and getting into sex positivity and how we can have better connections with our partners. I want to focus right now, my fam out there, a lot of you guys are single. I, I hear from you guys in my DMs and I constantly get asked relationship questions. So it makes me think a lot of y'all out there are single or feel like you're single in the household that you're quarantining in where your boo ain't giving you the boo thing that you need, you know? So I want to ask you, Camille, um, you brought up a really interesting word earlier, and I think it's a fun word to unwrap because it can be shamed, and that is fetishes and kinks. So what is a fetish? What is a kink? What is the difference between the two? And why do we shame them? Yeah. So a kink can kind of be really versatile. It can kind of just be something that you're in that is opposite of like vanilla sex. So vanilla could just, is kind of kind of categorized into like um, missionary style. Missionary. Um, pen, yeah, exactly. The starfish and, position. Exactly. <laughs> Which, hey, sometimes that works for people. When you're kinky, Girl, after you a long, be, hard day, I'm not mad at it. I know, exactly. I mean, it can work. It can do the job. Yeah. So I think that um, the difference kind of, so a kink is like when you have like maybe a particular interest that makes you, that kind of gets you off more. So that can be something Give that, me an example of a kink. Yeah. So um, like you can have kinks, which kink and BDSM can kind of go hand in hand. So a kink could be kind of like um, whips and chains. Um, a kink could be um, something that you're kind of more into in terms of actual performance. If you Would like it be like a golden shower? Yeah. I, a kink okay. could be golden shower because that's, that's kind of fine line because golden, golden showers, water sports, that type of, of play yes. um, okay. are, are definitely on, on the kinkier side, as okay. you can imagine. What's a fetish? And so fetish is typically like something that you is, it's typically something that's an inanimate object. So you might have a shoe fetish um, oh. or something like that. I hear where foot it fetishes. Can, so it, I think it originally started as being like an inanimate thing, but now it's kind of more kind of like, I have a very particular part of the body that I really like. Oh. And so I'm like, I love like foot fetish is probably a really, really common one. Um, yeah, so the, I think that those would be amazing. So why do fetishes and kinks get shamed? And IMO, I think that people either do have a fetish or a kink and they're too ashamed to either acknowledge it or even tap into it and like recognize what it is, like explore it. And or, and or I think that everybody should have one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you think? So I think that definitely like either like you feel really like justified and centered in whatever your pleasure or like moment is or kink or your fetish, or you feel really nervous about exploring that. 
And that goes kind of back to the shame thing. But I think spending time with yourself, being curious about like, what would get you off, what would be interesting to kind of play around with can be really fun and really open up like what pleasure means to you. Because people might have like, you know, have or um, orgasms or have good sex in a typically vanilla way. And they might also have orgasms from a different type of way, the, the yeah. play that they had never imagined, um, dirty talk that they never imagined, role play that they never imagined, which is really exciting. Yeah. And this is, again, going back to what you were saying in the beginning, might be a whole nother window of exploration where you don't, again, rely on just the orgasm. I mean, kinks allow you to play and get to know your partner and role play in different positions that, let me tell you one that was random. And now that you've explained what a kink is to me and a fetish, I think my friend fell upon a kink. So I have this friend, she might be listening to the podcast, but it was, she'll be proud of the story. (laughs) So she went to Istanbul last summer Uh and she went into a hammam, which you know is the the spa, the the typical spa there. Mm -hmm. Went inside there, towel, you know, was, had a towel on. And her masseuse, you know, instructed her to go ahead and disrobe and you lay down so there's nothing weird or kinky about it. And as this man started to massage her, he absolutely started trying to, he, he absolutely started to probe certain areas mm. that just, that just invigorated her differently. Mm-hmm. Now she knew, speci- now obviously guys, consent, right? Consent in every sense of the word. Yeah. Always. But this bitch was consenting. Mm-hmm. She was like, yes, yes, and then some. So what I'm saying is <laughs> he it. gave her kind of the signal where he was like, he was like, should I go further? Should I go further where he was touching her? And she was like parting the legs like, yes, yes. And, and you know, and so her thing now, like, I mean, they've, they've maintained a relationship. But when they see each other, they kind of go back into that, oh, I'm here for my five o'clock appointment, sir. And he's yeah. like, well, please. Uh, lay down. Uh, may I get you some water? And they just do this whole role playing thing. And I think without knowing it's become her kink. So yeah. to me, I just, I, again, echoing you, I really encourage couples or singles out there to have fun with those little things that kind of turn you on, even if it's, you know, a role play or if it's, you know, a, a memory of a, of a hot saucy moment that didn't yeah. turn the way it could have, but you want to try it out with your new, you know, your new boo. I think these are cool things as long as, again, it's a consensual, as long as you let this other person know you're trying something different. But if you lead the way, that can definitely be the icebreaker, right? Yeah, I I love that. That sounds like a really fun time. Right, Uh, exactly. (laughs) And switching it up can always just be so reinvigorating. And knowing that like your, whatever your sexual appetite was or is can always change. You can always want something different or something um, more kinky, you know, there's people who like all kinds of different things and there's so many different communities that can be affirming for it. Um, and so like being like, I love like a role play moment, like that's super fun. I don't know if you have any types of kinks or fetishes you want to share with the crowd, but I know that might be a little personal. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I really, I love experimenting. I love having fun with new new, you know, takes and twists and turns on things. And I'd say I'm, I have a very, you know, a a partner who's, who's down to play too. And I think that's important. You know, I think in the beginning, what we did was we established 
there's a safe space. Yeah. When you feel safe with that person, yeah. you, you can kind of take it there. So that's why it goes back to, again, the lack of assumptions, the no shaming of one another, the encouragement, the positivity. Yeah. That, you know, you can, even if you've seen this body, you know, 20 years in, you can always be like, okay, then legs. Yes. Or, yes, thighs, come here and wrap me up. You know, whatever it may be, you've got to make your partner feel positive so that they know it's a safe place to go ahead and play and be silly and take on different roles, right? Yeah, I mean, I love what you said. It's about playfulness and playfulness and pleasure and experimentation and being like, wow, I really would love to try this. Maybe you try it out and you hate it, but maybe you try it out and you love it. Maybe it might lead you. Yeah, like I think it's exactly. Or it could be like on the menu every six months or (laughs) something like that. Just knowing you can switch it up and keep it um, interesting and I think that can be really helpful. Leap years there for a reason. It might be that one time every four <laughs> years, you just try that one pony trick. Yeah. I feel like for a lot of people, that's anal. <laughs> exactly. And you never know. You might relax enough and like it more than once every four years. Right. Exactly. Okay. Well, now, one more thing that you actually practice in, which I, I haven't heard of, and I'd like you yeah. to tell me more about it, is chronic pain therapy. So what is chronic pain therapy and and how can that help people? Yeah, so I work um, with uh, the Pain Psychology Center, which focuses on chronic pain. Um, Essentially, it's like folks who have any type of chronic pain, ranging from like back pain, neck pain, migraines, fibromyalgia, um, and different types of of pains in the body that have been persistent for like some folks like 10 years, 15 years, some people it's like six months. Where my crossover and, and like specialty lies is like painful intercourse. And so this is people with like vulvodynia, vaginismus, um, and diff- or like pain in the perineum and, or anal pain, or I've seen like cl- um, clitoris pain. People who are having these persistent painful experiences around like their most intimate parts of their body. That can cut off their sex life and their intimacy life completely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And when that happens, when you're experiencing pain in your body, essentially, like the brain is telling you that something isn't right, that you're in danger somehow. So it's alerting your brain that there's a problem in a part of your body. A lot of times with chronic pain, especially um, for like pelvic floor pain, is there's kind of been this miscommunication where the brain is interpreting pain where you're actually safe. So that could have been due to trauma, that could have been due to unsafe experiences, it could be due to shame, it could be due to like an initial injury that was like, that persisted longer than it should have. But it's it's really an interesting crossover to look at how that shows up, especially um, for women and people with vaginas who um, have a very disconnected relationship with their part, that part of their body. I think that for a lot of time, um, like men from and boys from a young age, they like get really encouraged to play with their penises, and they are just like always exploring it and showing it off and peeing everywhere. And for women, there can be more shame around it, and you know you're not looking at it, you're not touching it, you're not having a relationship with it, and it can get scary. Yeah, absolutely. So when you treat chronic pain, are you treating to cure it, or are you mentally and emotionally? kind of chipping away at it so that it finds a sense of understanding and, and just 
ownership of it, a, a, you know, a sense of like, let's, let's figure out avenues around this because this is not going anywhere. So is it curable or is it somewhere to, to kind of mentally work around it? Totally. So I think it, it definitely depends from patient to patient. A lot of times chronic pain, um, especially if there isn't like a structural diagnosis, like if you don't have like a torn ACL or like a broken this, then a lot of times it is curable. Um, and it's about creating safety and about creating safety in your body, about trusting your body and feeling like you can give yourself permission to feel okay within yourself. And so a lot of it is reducing that anxiety, reducing that shame um, to have a more pleasurable experience. I see. Wow. So how do people get in touch with you? How does my fam reach out to you, answer more questions that they have? Because the one thing I, I, I do want to encourage you, fam, is I get a lot of my ideas on what guests I want to have, not just because of my personal interest, but because of reading your guys' reviews on my podcast. So I, I read a lot. Of, I, I read actually every review on iTunes. And when you guys DM me, I repost. So anything from this conversation I had with Camille, please do screenshot or hit us up with one of the things that Camille has taught you that opened up your eyes. And it allowed me to understand more of what you're interested in. You can also reach out to Camille yourself. I love hearing that you're here in LA. Where yeah. can my fam reach out to you? And how do they schedule a session with you and learn more? Yeah. Um, so you can reach out via Instagram. It's Camille.Lewis, K-A-M-I-L dot L-E-W-I-S or CamilleLewis.com, K-A-M-I-L-L-E-W-I-S.com. Um, those are like the primary ways that you can get in touch or CamilleLewisTherapy at gmail.com is my email. Camille Lewis Therapy. And again, if you listen to this podcast, please do screenshot it. DM myself and tag at Camille Lewis. It's at Camille.Lewis. So do tag at Camille.Lewis and I will repost so we can support your work. I love that you're doing this. There's not many young women, young black women specifically that are sex positive therapists mm -hmm. and so just relatable like you. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I really like the fact that I'm able to do this work and connect with so many people and just opening up um, kind of an avenue to be talking about this within our within our communities. Absolutely. Thank you, Camille. You guys have a great week. I can't wait to speak to you next week and take care of yourself. Do follow at Camille.Lewis. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey.